Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Melanie C., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, April 7, 2015. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are on page 67, paragraph 3, starting with notice at the word fear. Today's readers are the 12 Steps, Scale T, 12 Traditions, Amy W. And reading the text today would be Renata G., Sharon R. S., and Deb W. The reference number for yesterday, Monday, April 6, 2015, is 7453. 7453. The OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Gail T. to read the 12 steps. And press star 1, Gail. Good morning, visionaries. This is Gail T. from Central Texas. The 12 steps. 1. We admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. 2. Came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. 3. Made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. 4. Made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. 5. Admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. 6. We're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. 7. Humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. 8. Made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. 9. Made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. 
Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we try to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, Gail T. I will now ask Amy W. to read the 12 Traditions of OA. Good morning, everyone. Uh, Amy W., compulsive overeater from California. The 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for a group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in a group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Less problems with money property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. And 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, Anna Pass. Thank you, Amy W. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature that we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speaker, the one speaking, should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page 67, paragraph 3, starting with notice that the word fear is bracketed. I will ask Renata G. to begin our study this morning. Good morning, Renata. Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, everyone. This is Renata G., Recovered Compulsive Reader in New York. 
Notice that the ward peers bracketed alongside with difficulties with Mr. Brown, Ms. Jones, the employer, and the wife. The short ward somehow touches about every aspect of our lives. It is an evil and corroding thread, the fabric of our existence. Sorry, the fabric of our existence was shot through with it. It set in motion trains of circumstances which brought us misfortune we felt we didn't deserve. But did we not ourselves set the ball rolling? Sometimes we think fear ought to be classed with stealing. It seems to cause more trouble. You know, um, I'm going to read like the, the, the highlights I have here, you know, in my book, because that put everything together for me. Fear touches about every aspect of my life. It was an evil and corroding thread, the fabric of my existence. Uh, it set in motion trains of circumstances which brought, my, brought me misfortune I felt I didn't deserve. You know, but didn't I myself set the ball rolling? And, you know, before I, I started my step four inventory, I never thought I was a fearful person. But when I put my resentments on the list, you know, all of them were embedded with fear. They all came from fear. And, you know, fear of losing what I have or fear of not getting what I need, what I want. You know, so I took actions based on those fears, on those thoughts, and that set the ball rolling. You know, I, I, I had attitudes that created resentment, hurt, and pain. You know, and the reality is that I don't really know what I need. God does. And so when I take actions based on my fears, I'm in self-will, and therefore I'm blocked off from God. You know, the book says that fear ought to be classed with stealing. When I act out of fear, there are consequences. There are always consequences, and there were negative consequences, you know, that same from, from those actions. And, uh, you know, I was living... When I was living my life in fear, it was really, you know, fear was stealing my life, really. You know, my life was really, really small. There were a lot of things I didn't do out of fear or situations, bad situations that I created because of my fears. You know, I missed out on opportunities and relationships and living life to the fullest, you know, missed out on being happy, you know, being happy, joyous, and free. Fear paralyzed me and made me resent the world, and I did not know that until I started writing my Step 4 inventory. Uh, so this process was very, very awakening for me. Um, you know, today, by the grace of God, fear does not rule my life anymore. You know, by going through the, the process of working all 12 steps, I was able to develop this relationship with a higher power that enables me to trust and rely on Him instead of trusting and relying on myself and in the food, you know, which never works anyway. And that's all I want to share. Thanks, so fast. Thank you. Pardon Charles me. H. Thank you, Renata G. Hang on just one second, Charles. I was going to finish saying thank you to Renata and then also ask who would like to comment on what was read, and I'll have you up first. Charles H., anybody else? Lisa M. Matt M. Matt M. I have Lisa H or is it Lisa M and Matt M? Lisa M. Like okay, and, great, thank you. Let's start with those three for now. Thank you so much. Good morning, Jen Carol. T from California. 
Okay, I grabbed you up real quick before I went on to Charles, and then we'll stop right there, please, folks. Go ahead, Charles. Thank you. Good thank to you. you. Can you hear me? Good morning, Melanie I, C. I, I, I can. Good morning. Very well. Thank Thanks. you. Thank you kindly. Good morning to all the visionaries, and thank you for everybody on the line. I, I apologize. I'm on my way to work, but when I heard this, notice the word fear. You know, if I feed my faith, my fear will starve to death. i got to say that one more again. If I feed my faith, my fear will starve to death. Like, for me, fear ran everything in my life, right? It was like, forget everything and run. But today, you know, a lot of people say face everything and recover. I say face every adversity and recover. i got to break it down. I know it's everything. I know it's all. But, you know, fear... Fear robbed me. Fear stole from me. Fear gave me the excuse. Fear gave me the justification. Oh, I'm too old. Oh, I'm too fat. Oh, I'm too this. Oh, I'm too that. But when I feed my faith, by faith, that's why, to me, that's why, like, this. Pro- I've always heard in 12-step programs that there's no way I can recover without a solid, you know, they say first step, but that's second step, too. Because if I don't have faith, faith is, is believing in things that I cannot see. I cannot see recovery if I don't see it physically, but I can feel it. I can feel it from the it, – it, it's filling me up. I need to be empty so I can be full up with some faith, right, and get something to give somebody something. Thank God for that page on 164. We can't give something we ain't got. You can't transmit something you ain't got. You could it, – it, but – if I got some fear, oh, I could transmit that. I could transmit some fear, right? So I just wanted to get on the line and encourage some people that no matter where you at, if you got breath in your body, <laughs> you can conquer fear just for today. And with that, I like to pass. Thank you, Melanie. See, I pass. Thanks, Charles. Charles H. Uh, Lisa Ann, you're up next. Thank you, Melanie. Um, good morning, everyone. My name is Lisa M., and I'm calling from Massachusetts. And, you know, when I came to this part of the fourth step, um, you know, I really wanted to, to to deal with this because my life was totally run on fear. It, fear was what made me decide where I was going to live and what job I was going to take and, I was going to go places, if I was going to do things. I mean, it really made all the decisions for me. And, you know, the idea that I was going to have to let him go was actually terrifying because that was how I lived. And so this part of the fourth step was really, really hard for me, you know. And and I was so afraid that once I let go, let go of all this, fear, I wouldn't know how to live, and, but it wasn't until, you know, I got to the fifth step, actually, where I realized that I was being taken care of, I just just didn't know it, I always, I was always there, you never left me, you brought me through all this stuff, whether I wanted to or not, it was there, it brought me here, and so that was a real awesome beginning, even though I thought it was the end. So, you know, I'm 
was so glad to to be able to do this part of a fourth step. It was just it changed. This is where I really started to have the trust, and it really started to change for me is when I had to deal with the fear because that's, that's how I lived. So um, that's it. Thanks for putting me sharing. Thank you, Lisa M. Matt M. You're next. Hi, Matt. Can you hear me? I can. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, my fellow visionaries. This is Matt M. I'm a compulsive eater from Jersey. Uh, yeah, the word fear, it's, it has been permeated for my entire life, you know, the way I, I did things indirectly and directly. You know, um, I put myself in very dangerous situations to get what I wanted from my drug, and, you know, underneath that was the fear that I was never going to have enough. If I didn't put my, if I didn't go out with these people, if I didn't do certain things, or if I didn't go certain places, I was not going to have my drug of choice you know, which was food. I'm finishing that up. My sponsor is starting to see the, the list of fears, um, and he, he knows what they are already. He won't have me, he's going to have me write them down. Um, I'm trying to finish my uh, the rest of my fourth column. And uh, I'm just really, it's 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 just showing me how the lengths I was willing to go for my addiction. And now I'm trying to show myself, the length, my own self and my higher power, the lengths I'm willing to go for my recovery. You know, I do want to face all the things that are in front of me, right, just for today. I don't want to live. I don't want to live according to my fears because according to my fears, fear is like a dark room where only negatives are developed. Um, I'm just grateful just for today. I don't have to live and live based on fear. I can live based on um, hope and and joy and other emotions that are more positive for me. Um, I don't have to let the negative emotions or any any um, emotions that I feel are draining to me. I don't have to let those take over anymore. You know, unless I unless I let them, you know, I was I'm, I got very sick last night and I'm okay now, but you know, I still I still like you know every time I feel less than or every time I feel um, not 100 percent, the first thing I want to do is go to food in my head. That's what pops in my head, and I realize I'm always going to be a hardcore food addict when it comes to this disease. I'm an alcoholic when it comes to food. That's my fact that the food will, will kill me. And uh, with that, I'll pass. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Matt M. Jen T., you're next. Hello, Jen, are you there? Oh, I'm there. This is Jen T. from California. Can you hear me? Good morning. Good morning. Um, okay, so... Um, I think that when I did my fear inventory, um, I was very surprised. I think that the fear um, surprised me more than any part of my fourth step did Um, because of the level of dishonesty that was there. Uh, It talks about how it corrodes everything it sets in motion trains and circumstances which brought us misfortune we felt we didn't deserve, but did not we ourselves set the ball rolling. And um, I think what I found was that I was operating manipulatively and dishonesty was um, there from the moment I opened my eyes till the moment I closed my eyes at night. I was operating out of fear. I was doing something to try to manage and control my fears with other people. 
and it was just a level of dishonesty that was huge. It was unbelievable. I could not believe I was spending my days just wasting them away with complete dishonesty and so much fear of what people thought of me and um, who I was and what um, I was going to get and um, how I was going to get my next whatever. Um, I think it was just, I don't know, when it says that it's stealing, like we thought fear ought to be classed with stealing, for sure, it stole a lifetime. It just stole a lifetime from me. You know, I'm, it's not just the food I'm not willing to give one more day to. I'm not willing to give one more life to any of it. You know, it, I love, that's what I love about 10. You know, it's getting free from all that. But um, I just was very surprised when I did my four, uh, how... Uh, how much I got out of the fear. The fear surprised me more than anything. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Jen T. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph this morning? This is Paula Demiashia. And Vasa. Reva P. Paula. Reva P. Okay, let's see. I have a few here, and I'll stop with those. I have Paula D, Do L. Vasa O and Reva P. Let's go with those folks if I have them all correct. Good morning, Paula. And good morning, Melanie, and thank you for your service today on this Tuesday. This would be Paula D. And I am a compulsive overeater, recovered. You know, as we look at this this paragraph, the paragraph that I was anxious to look at, but yet desperate enough to, this short word, this short word, four letters, Somehow, I don't even know how it did it, but it did, because I saw and I lived it. Touches about every aspect of our lives. I don't have to get into the details. You all have your own details, but I come together in the disease with my friends here. And it says every aspect of our life, it touches everything I did. Oh, physical realm? Oh, yes. Oh, am I, am I ever going to get over diabetes? Am I going to have this, this blood disorder? You can go on and on. But then it goes into the mental, the fears. Are they going to call me? Are they not going to call me? It didn't matter. Fear was what? Was, what was the answer? Spiritual? Is God with me today? Oh, is God going to turn away from me? Today, I hope he does. I hope he doesn't see every aspect of our lives in this part here an evil and corroding thread the fabric of our existence who i was was shot through with it there was no way of taking it apart it was such a big ball that i couldn't take it apart but you know i just want to go over to the next page oh i'm loving the next page turning the page but we think fear ought to be classed with stealing what does it take away? It takes away your thought. It takes so much. I will give it no more. And it says it seems to cause more trouble. Oh, yes, than stealing. Now, you would think stealing would be enough even more because not, of, not only what, what it steals is you, your very life, as it said, your existence. Thank you for allowing me to share. With that, I will will pass. Thank you, Paula D. 
Du L, you're next. Good morning. This is Du L, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Thank you so much, Melanie, for your service. Um, I also like to touch on that sentence. It says, fear touches every aspect of your life, the evil and corroding thread. The fabric of our existence was shot through with it. And, you know, I remember the first time I read this and, and um, someone had come up with this analogy about a quilt and the quilt being the fabric of our existence. And when we sew uh, with this thread, instead of sewing with a thread that's good and durable, we're sewing with this corroding thread. I, I mean, it, it, as soon as you put it in, it's going to create holes in the quilt. It's going gonna, it's gonna to eventually... Uh, uh, bring these gaps into the quilt, and that's the way I, I remembered it. And I, I remember thinking, wow, if I'm sewing that, um, where I'm sewing with two threads, one the good thread and the one that's corroding, eventually that thread is going to give out and it's going to create holes in, in my life. And, you know, and that's the way I saw it. I saw, wow, you know, even though I'm not, I'm not aware of it a lot of the times, that's what I do throughout my whole life. I am sewing. I am putting in fear, you know, because either I'm not getting something I want or I'm losing something I already have. And that's my fear. My fear also has to do with um, the fact that I'm not relying on God. I'm not trusting in God. I'm not, I'm not uh, believing that he is either everything or he's nothing, you know, and that's what I believe. I believe that God was nothing in my life. Um, that I had to be self-sufficient, that I had to be self-reliant, that I had to take care of things myself. And when I relied on myself, that's what brought the fear because I knew I couldn't pull it off, you know. And so I had to look at something different. I had to look at how I was going to do this differently, you know. Where was I going to get rid of that fear? How was I going to pull that, that corroding thread out of my life and, and, and do something different? And, and that's what the steps show us. They're, they're going to show us exactly how to do that. And I love the last sentence where it says we, it ought to be classified with stealing because it does. It takes away hours. It takes away time. It takes away opportunities that I could have made for myself. But I'm so fearful. I'm so worried. I'm so anxious. I'm with anticipation of something that's going to occur that hasn't even occurred yet. And, and that, that takes away from me fulfilling certain things in my life. And so I'm grateful for this program that gives me an opportunity to get rid of those fears, get rid of that wasted opportunity, and do something useful. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Du L. Vasa O, you're next. Thank you, Melanie, for your service. And I am grateful. Recovered Compulsible Rita calling from Florida. Wow, it's amazing how God has, um, you know, put the steps for a reason the way they are put, you know. Thank God for alcohol, for the people that went before me and laid them out for me to see the truth for myself, what I've seen in the steps. And, yes, fear had controlled my whole life. Oh, my goodness, fear of people, places, and things, and what people thought about me and fear of getting sick and fear of dying, fear of God. I mean, I I remember going to the meetings when people were working on their fears and I'd be even 
putting more fears than what I had. You know, I said, oh, okay, I forgot to, to write down about this fear, about that fear. It controlled, it robbed me from living life, you know. And it was not a pretty place to be, you know, to be stuck in the fears. And that's because I was uh, thought to be self-sufficient and to depend on myself, you know, for everything. I was afraid of God. How could I, you know, I grew up in a fear, with a fearful punishing God. How could I go to uh, God to ask for something when I was afraid of, you know? Well, things changed around when I looked at the steps, step one, two, and three. You know, God was doing for me what I couldn't do with the food. And then gradually, gradually, I started relying and trusting in God and replacing the fear with God, trusting and relying when I did the fears. I think the last part was, uh, trust and rely on God, on, not on my own understanding. And that has been the key. From, and, and, and you know, in spite of all my fears, going through the steps, I was going because I kept on asking God to give me the courage, to give me the strength. And, he would, and I would, in spite of being afraid, and I would go through my fear and do it anyways. But I would ask God to give me the courage and to give me the strength, and to have the people that encouraged me, that went before me, to just go through it anyways, you know. And it's amazing how my fears have been replaced with faith, you know, just trusting in the Lord. And God is doing a great job. I don't have to be that fearful person. So, again, it's trusting and relying on God for everything, in my life, with my kids and my husband, with my jobs, and, and doing the process. So that has been the key for me, trusting and relying and replacing those fears with God. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa O. Reva P. Reva P. Yes, good morning. Hi, this is Reva P., a recovering compulsive overeater in Toronto. Um, what I think of when I hear this paragraph is, first of all, I need to acknowledge that fear is a normal human feeling. We all feel fear. And um, I'm not supposed to make myself not have fear. But what this paragraph shows me is it's set in motion trains of circumstances. So for me, what happened when I felt, or even when I do now feel incredible fear, I react and I run and do things that are not helpful. Um, and the next paragraph will tell me, you know, that there is another way. So running and reacting um, and being driven, it says um, somewhere, we are setting the ball, we're setting in motion. Being driven by the fear is the problem um, because it never works out. I basically create a bigger mess. Um, and the next part that struck me was that it's a, a thread woven through my being. I didn't even know what was fear, what was not fear. So what this step did for me is it helped me really tease out, you know, what are these fears that are just part of my makeup, um, part of like the neural network of my brain. Um, and I didn't know there was any other way. 
I didn't know there was any other way to behave, that if you felt fear, you just react and try to control and fix, and then maybe the fear will go away. Um, so this step also suggests that I myself have a part in this, which means I can do something about it, and there's another way to look at life, um, which um, is very hopeful. And the last thing I'll comment on, as other has, others have mentioned about the stealing, um, when I am full of fear, I'm basically not living in the moment. I'm living in the future of what might happen, what could happen, and what I'm going to do in case it happens, and what I'm not going to do in case it happens. And I've heard that God is in the moment. And if I'm in the past, which we just went over with the resentments, or if I'm in the future with my fears, I'm not right here. And life and happy, joyous, and free is here in the moment. And I lost so much of that in the earlier part of my life because I was always in my head somewhere else, <laughs> either resenting something or someone or afraid of something um, or someone. Um, and thank you, God, for program because as we'll continue reading, this uh, part shows me I can live in the here and now and trust that in this moment I am fine, I have everything I need, and I just take one moment at a time. And that's it. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Reva P. Does anyone else want to share before I move on this morning? Yes, this is Anita L. from Philadelphia. Okay, Anita L. Anybody else? Before we Katie move on, F. Take a couple more. Oh, hi, Katie. One more maybe then. Thank you. Suzanne from Suzanne. South Jersey. Thank you, Suzanne. Good morning, Anita. We'll Good morning, everyone. Okay, thank you so much. I uh, just want to bring it uh, to the present, to today, talking about fear. Uh, I did deal with fear um, when I did my inventory using the big book and um, especially going through the fourth column. However, I... I want to bring it to today, what's happening to me. Um, I am going to be taking a train to New York City to visit my sponsee who lives in California and uh, is visiting in New York right now. Because she's so close, we're only two hours away, I want to go visit her. And my son was going to be coming with me and he goes to New York all the time. And so... I really didn't have any fear about taking the train or whatever. And um, I've never gone from this specific train station. So uh, anyway, now I'm going by myself. And I started to feel a little bit of fear this morning about, will I, you know, find myself to the right track and be able to get my ticket and everything else. And... Then I heard people starting to share, and I was immediately able to surrender and turn my whole situation over to my higher power, and then I could let go of my fear, and I can just enjoy my day now. And I love what was shared about fear is living in the future, 
you know, what if I can't find my way or what if I miss the train or whatever. It doesn't matter because it's all in God's plan. And so I was so grateful that I'm listening to this meeting this morning because it, it helped me because I did feel a little bit of fear. I usually don't anymore. I did feel it this morning. So look how God gave me the gift of listening to this meeting today. And uh, I'm going to be meeting someone from A Vision for You and that special someone because she's a sponsee, which is just so neat to be able to put a face and give a hug to somebody in person uh, to who I've been listening to for so long. So anyway, I surrender everything over to my higher power, including my sharing. So thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Anita L. KDF, you're next. Good morning. This is KDF, a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. And I'm, I've been listening, and I don't think that anybody has mentioned the acronym of false evidence appearing real um, for fear. And that is something that um, I had to, you know, as Charles H. would say, drill it down to, that I was, you know, afraid of things that... <laughs> I didn't even know. I didn't even know the whole possibility of what was going to happen. I was just totally projecting and speculating um, about what I thought the outcome should be or was going to be or um, anything, you know, that basically did not equate surrender. And, you know, I remember, um, you know, when I was first in OA and I was not in recovery, I was not recovered, but I was, I was just grasping at anything I could um, hold on to, and I just got on this kick about fear, you know, that fear was just ruling my life, and I just had to stop being so fearful. So, you know, I found myself being brave and, you know, knocking on some guy's door that I thought um, liked me and, you know, just thought that that was the kind of thing that I needed to do was just face my fears and, and just be this bold, brazen woman. And, of course, you know, I didn't get married till 10 years later, so that obviously didn't work out. But, um, you know, what I, the way I, I use this today is that, you know, am I, am I falsely looking at what's really going on? And so much of my fear is because I'm projecting what I think the outcome is going to be if I let it go. And, you know, just all of it is so crippling. Um, to my serenity, and I'm so grateful that we have, you know, this program that teaches us not to live in that, and, you know, what we're talking about here is just naming things, just writing them down and putting it out there, you know, and it doesn't mean that anything's going to happen, that anything's going to change or not going to change. It's just out of my head, and that is the beauty of this fourth step is that, you know, there is nothing in my life today that is this deep, dark secret that I have never brought to the light. And that is such a joyful way to live. And um, fear no longer rules my life. And I'm very grateful for that. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Katie F. Suzanne, you're next. And would you give me the first initial of your last name, please? Hi, um, Suzanne G. G. Okay, great. Thanks. Good morning to you. Good morning. Well, interesting, you know, my God always knows what I need to hear. Um, I 
been in, working in a, a merge, merged hospital situation for, I guess, about a year and a half now. And there are some people, and one person particularly came over and yesterday said, you know, you better watch yourself and all this kind of stuff, you know. And I really have no reason for her to say that. She is leaving. She got another job. But, you know, my answer to her was, you know, I'm not afraid of people. And I have trust and faith that if God closes one door, he's going to open up another one. And she said, well, I'm glad you have such strong faith. And I don't think she liked the answer. But when I walked into work just a few minutes ago, I said, you know what? I refuse to be afraid of these people here. I just am not afraid of them. Um, and if I've been in program 30 years, so I've had time to, you know, really look at my fears. And, and they are there at times, but for the most part, I just refuse to let it happen because my faith is stronger than my fear today. So um, anyway, I came into work and turned, called this meeting, and sure enough, you were talking about fear. So thank you for that. And um, I don't... You know, I, I'm just going to claim my seat and pray for a, a clean, abstinent day today, no matter what might happen. So, anyway, thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Suzanne G. Thank you for your share. And we'll move on to the next paragraph. Sharon R.S., will you lead us into page 68, paragraph 1, please? Yes, Melanie. This is Sharon R.S. Good morning to all, and welcome all of you visionaries on the line today. I'm Sharon R.S., gratefully a recovered compulsive overeater. We reviewed our fears thoroughly. We put them on paper, even though we had no resentments in connection with them. We asked ourselves why we had them. Wasn't it because self-reliance failed us? Self-reliance was good as far as it went, but it didn't go far enough. Some of us once had great self-confidence, but it didn't fully solve the fear problem or any other. When it made us cocky, it was worse. All right, so viewed our fears thoroughly, uh, and uh, we put them on paper. So what, what I uh, was taught to do is when I did my resentments, we asked, was I selfish, self-seeking, dishonest, and afraid, or afraid? I took all of those fears, and I, I, they became the beginning of my list of, of fears. And then I, I looked at my fears, uh, the, the ones I had gathered from my resentments, and I considered, was there, any, was there anything else? And I just wrote them down, anything that came to mind. So the thoroughness was what, just, just what do I, am I afraid of? And just write, wrote them and wrote them and wrote them. And um, again, when we say thoroughly, it doesn't mean, we, we don't want to flip into self-reliance. We don't, in doing our fears, we want to make sure, we want to we do as much as we can right there and trust our higher power uh, that we're getting it all down and we're getting what we need to on our, on our fears. So this can go very quickly. It's, it's something that should be able to be done in a day or two, and as you continue to the process, you can continue to add to that list. So we ask ourselves, after, after we had uh, written down, after we write down our list in, in a column, we go and we start taking each one of those fears one by one, and we ask ourselves, 
why we had these fears. Why do I have this fear? Why am I so afraid when I approach a person who uh, uh, to to ask for help for myself? Why do I start getting afraid? And and so we write. This is the most difficult part. Why we had this fear? Because for me, it was obvious because it was a situation. Well, I'm afraid of of, of this person. I'm afraid of this situation. So it seems pretty obvious, and I wanted to get into the details. But then, if you look at what is being asked, the next question wasn't it because self reliance failed us? Now that really gave me pause. Self reliance. What is he, what it, wait a minute, what is the relationship between my fear and self-reliance? Self-reliance. I am in, here I am, I'm going to, a, in this situation that I'm afraid of, this, I need to talk to this person, say it's my boss, about uh, the situation at work. And I'm afraid. And what does self-reliance have to do with that? Well, I'm trusting that I have to be able to solve the problem. I'm trusting that I have to be able to see the solution. I'm trusting in my own strength and wisdom and insight. I'm relying on my own ability. I'm relying on myself, and I know that I have some limits. And so self-reliance, what we're told here is that Our fear is based on self-reliance, and so therefore our solution can be in in finding a reliance in something other than ourselves. Uh, Some of us had great self-confidence. It didn't go far enough. So we need something more, and thank God that in step three, we made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God, uh, of our higher power, of our understanding. And it is through that relationship with that power that will help solve our fear problems. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Sharon R.S. Would anyone like to comment on this paragraph on 68 today? This is how I look at I heard Bella and I heard... Lauren. Sharon H. from Colorado. Larry. Just one moment, please. I'm going to take four because of the time, and that's going to be Bella G., Lauren S., Kim G., and Sally A. And I did hear Sharon and Larry, but we won't have enough time this morning. But thank you so much for stepping up. Good morning, Bella. Good morning. Thank you. My name is Bella G., and I'm a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Melanie, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. We reviewed our fears thoroughly. Wow, such a relief, such a freedom. Yes, before I was in the program, I had had so many fears, and I was scared to face them. I, 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 all the time I wanted to ignore them. I was so much afraid what people will say when they will hear that I have so many fears. I thought that I am the only one that I have so many fears. I was so much scared and I, and this really ruined my life. I was afraid to talk. I was afraid to express myself. 
I was afraid to deal with them. And it's better nobody should know that I have so many fears. Thank you very much. Thank you, God, that now I am in the program. And yes, I, am, I was able to review them. Thank you, God, I am not connected anymore to my ego, to my power. I am connected to an accepting power. And I, it was the first time for me that I was able to face them, to look at them, and to start to deal with them. And yes, my fear was were driven by my power, by my ego. And every time that I was, that I failed, I had even more fears because I saw how much I, I don't have power, how much the power is running away from me. And it was very much scary. And thank you, God. Thank you, God. Now that I am in the program, I, I, I face reality. Yes, I am human and I have fears. But now, thank you, God, I am able to deal with them and to start to understand, to stop and to pause and to say, Bella, wait a minute. What this fear is coming from, from a power that I want, from my ego, from being people pleaser, it's such a freedom to, to know that the fears are driven by character defects. And today, I don't need the power. I'm not interested in my power. Today, I know that I am connected to a loving power, to that, a power that accepts me, that respects me. Today, I don't have to be a people pleaser anymore. Today, I live in freedom. Yes, I face reality, I can face my fear, and I have, thank you God, tools to deal with my fears, without fear. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Bella G. Lauren S., you're next. Hi. Lauren S. from Pittsburgh, a recovered compulsive overeater. So wasn't it because self-reliance failed? When I'm afraid, when I'm living on Lauren's power, when Lauren is the higher power dictating my actions, my beliefs, my philosophies, then God is nothing. And through working a thorough step, step two in the big book, and especially a thorough step one, I came to see that there are two options and two alone. God is everything or God is nothing. And when God is everything, I don't live in a bedevilment that we talked about in, as part of the spiritual malady in step one on page 52. I don't live with... Um, depression and misery and anxiety and all these conditions of uh, self-will run riot. When God is nothing, I live in fear. And um, when God is everything, then life is free. It's peaceful and it's free. So... When I put my fears down on paper, 
I did what we call a fear grid. And I listed all the fears that were on my resentment inventory, as well as fears that came up in meditation. And then I took them out, and they all ended up leading to insanity or death. And ultimately, Lauren running on self-reliance and God is nothing. God is nothing. Or higher power is nothing. You know, if, God, if, the, word, if the word God is, if you have prejudice for that, I urge you, don't use the word God. Just use spirit or nature or, or the ocean or whatever, whatever relates to you. So it, it was remarkable to see how much fear drove my life and the delusion that was, I didn't even realize it. As we say, it was like a fish swimming in water. Fear was the water. I didn't realize it was all around me until I was in this recovery program. So the promise, fellows, is if you work through the steps cleanly, abstinently, and thoroughly, you will be relieved of that fear and you will have this beautiful relationship with this power, which when you try and you seek, time. You don't live, oh, okay, that's all. You don't live on self-reliance. You live on spirit reliance and it's very peaceful. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Lauren S. Kim G. Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. I'm going to kind of just slam home what Lauren was talking about. You know, we asked ourselves why we had them, the fear. Wasn't it because self-reliance failed us? And I think this is the danger when we bring someone to this chapter and they haven't studied the chapters before because this doesn't really make sense to us. This is also the danger of people like me who relapsed and relapsed and kept thinking you know, step four is the silver bullet. I'll go to step four. If we don't fully accept the pages before, we're not even going to see that self-reliance failed us. You know, in step one, do I really believe I'm powerless? You know, am I still under the delusion that it's the third donut that's the problem, not the inability to pick up the first donut? Do I really believe I need a power? Do I really believe that I need a power? Or do I still think self-reliance is the answer? Do I believe that self is the problem? You know, if not, if I can't do all those things in steps one, two, and three, what's happening is I'm under, I am the victim of a delusion that I can wrest satisfaction and happiness out of this world if only I manage well. I just think the problem is I'm not doing enough. I'm not controlling enough. I'm not pulling myself up around bootstraps enough. And that the problem is others, and therefore, if I exert myself more, either whether more demanding or more gracious, then I can get my way. So I can't get to this place where I understand that self-reliance failed me unless I'm fully grounded in all the pages that are before the chapter, how it works. And I just want to end with this. If you walk through this process, if you put down the food first and foremost, come to the conclusion you're powerless, come to the conclusion you need a power, make a decision, walk through and do the actions required in steps four through nine. Start a 10 discipline. Start an 11 discipline. Start carrying this message. On page 100, we are promised something. It says, when we look back, we realize that the things which came to us when we put ourselves in God's hands, not self-reliance, God's hands, were better than anything we could have planned. 
Follow the dictates of a higher power and you will presently live in a new and wonderful world no matter what your, per, your current circumstances are. And I like to end with that because that's why I need self-reliance. Things had to go my way. People weren't going to take advantage of me. And if I put down self-reliance and I follow the dictates of a higher power, it doesn't matter what the world does. I still have the ability, regardless of my circumstances, to live a life that is happy, joyous, and free. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim D. And Sally A. has offered to share the next hour, so we will close the meeting since we are at the top of the hour. And thank you to everyone who has shared today. So in closing, we will read from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And I will ask do, I'm so sorry, Deb W. to please read A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Thank you. This is Deb W., Oklahoma Recovered Compulsive Eater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.